Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen, or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The wellness breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the wellness guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the country place. 10 acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17th to 19th. It's each and every single one of you are gonna support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audrey Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking all things to do with gut health and our gut microbiome with Kale Brock from Adelaide in South Australia. Kale is a health and exercise coach and award-winning uh sorry, an award-nominated journalist, researcher, and professional speaker, along with being an author of multiple books, including The Gut Healing Protocol and The Art of Probiotic Nutrition. So to tell us more about gut health and our microbiome, I'd love to give a warm, healthy shift worker welcome to Kale. Hello, Audra. Thanks for having me. You know, this is quite relevant for me because my best friend is a fireman. So um, he's doing the yet nights on, days on sort of thing. And it's really interesting to see how he's – and he's like a really strict health nut. It's (laughs) interesting to see how he fares against um, some of the other shift workers actually uh, putting in that extra work. So, no, I'm very happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, cool. Very good. So he's the the glowing shift worker amongst the, the fire, <laughs> fire, firefighting force, is he? <laughs> yes, he is. And it's interesting because he sort of um, – he was really surprised at the lack of, um, I suppose, general health awareness in yep. that industry. Um, you know, people are drinking Cokes before they're going to go try and sleep one night shift, you know, before the bell rings and stuff like that and they're just not sleeping because they're so wired and, you know, they're eating bunches of a lot of sugar, like a lot of lollies and stuff like that. And he was just really shocked. He thought it was going to be a lot more more forward thinking. But, yeah, he's sort of, I think, pretty keen to implement some changes or really generate some awareness like what you're doing. So, no, it's really cool. It's really interesting. Oh, Mm. that's, yeah, I love hearing those sorts of stories, yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. thanks um, for joining me today, Carl. It's um, it's certainly great to have you on the podcast. And I was thinking that you're probably feeling quite chilled out and relaxed because you came back from a surfing holiday um, in Bali last week. Is that right? 
<laughs> yeah, I did. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> but I believe, as we were just chatting on um, before the call, that you yourself have got a little bit of a tummy bug. <laughs> yes. See, very, very, I don't think I've had a tummy bug for at least a, a few years, I think. So um, wow. it's good to be reminded. It's good to be reminded of, you know, what can happen when you're not so diligent about your health. Because I think this time in Bali, I was certainly less um, diligent with my health protocol. So, okay. um, you know, I didn't take over the antifungals and stuff like that. I just wasn't that organized. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I'll just go, I'm just going to leave it and see how I go. And lo and behold, I've been feeling a little bit funny since I got back. And uh, last night, it just sort of, yeah, it wasn't amazing. But again, it's also important to point out that um, I think when you do put in the, the hard yards and really get your health on track, particularly I think your gut health, which is what we're talking about today, you don't experience those negative symptoms to the degree to which you used to. So, you know, mm. when I got a tummy bug in Bali back when I was younger, it was, you know, the vomiting and, and the diarrhea and all that sort of stuff. Whereas now it's just a, a discomfort. You know, there's no vomiting, there's no diarrhea. It's just a little bit of discomfort. Um, and, you know, m maybe I'd experienced that before, but now being in tune with my body and being able to actually hear things and, and, and listen to it, um, you can really pick those up and, and shift what you're doing accordingly, which um, I suppose is, is really relevant to what we're talking about today. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the, the effects aren't as dramatic as, you know, had you not be looking after yourself. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I take my probiotics um, mm. when I travel, for mm. sure. I think that's one of the biggest things, especially with preventing the barley belly and the deli belly and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's a few other things you can do as well. Uh, but again, it just comes down to the degree to which you actually want to um, put in those measures, you know, and how much you actually value feeling good all the time. Oh, love that. Mm. <laughs> yes, I really like that. Well, yeah, look, it's um, before we get stuck into the interview, Carl, I just wanted to say, you know, I have been really looking forward to getting you onto the podcast because shift workers are notorious for having digestive complaints. Uh, so I'm really keen to get your insights on how we can ease some of the symptoms that, you know, that we experience and similar to what you're experiencing right now. But mm. firstly, I'd love to hear your story, Carl. How did you get involved? in gut health because I know you know at the moment you know you well not this very second you're glowing with health but you know <laughs> as a general rule you're certainly you know looking um, extremely healthy and well now but that wasn't always the case was it? No I was uh, I had a lot of sickness in my teenage years so I would experience mm. um, very serious chest infections and you know I, I'd get sea ulcers because I'd not stop surfing and I'd be rubbing on my tail pad all the time and these things wouldn't heal so I'd have to take antibiotics and you know I had a pretty um not a traumatic childhood but uh it was um health-wise I mean it was just it was quite challenging and uh, when I was 16 it sort of all culminated in me uh attaining this condition called SVT supraventricular tachycardia and this was an, a condition where I would experience these arrhythmias. Uh, my heart would beat really, really fast, often up into the, the 200, speed, 200 beats per minute. Wow. And, uh, yeah, really dangerous to have. And mm. qu quite a lot of people have this. And I would always experience these arrhythmias out in the surf. So I'd be surfing and I'd be having this arrhythmia and I'd nearly faint in the ocean. You know, it's quite a dangerous thing. Mm. So um, I went to the doctor and, you know, got all the stuff. And the only thing the Western medical um, paradigm could offer me was an ablation, which is where they wanted to enter my body via the groin or, or the heart and sort of 
make their way up into the hut and burn away a piece of the hut. So they wanted to burn away the sinoatrial node, which is responsible for the electrical communication of the heart. Now, that was obviously malfunctioning. It wasn't working properly. So they wanted to destroy it, and that didn't really make sense to me. I thought, mm. okay, surely there's a way that we can you know, fix this. Can't we heal this? Um, and I said, what about nutrition? Because I'd sort of had a couple of ideas at that point about nutrition, and the, the doctors just said, look, it's got nothing to do with it. And um, you know, it was, that, it was at that point, and that's what I write about in my book and stuff, it was at that point that I decided, hang on, there's there's more to this because, you know, that frank dismissal without giving the idea any proper thought um, indicated to me that there was something more going on. And, you know, in all fairness, the that particular doctor wasn't, you know, being nasty or whatever. He was just demonstrating what he'd been taught at that mm, time. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, even now today there's no recognized correlation between the electrical health of the heart and, and diet. It's all to do with, you know, cholesterol and stuff like that, but it's not to do with the electrical health. So I was introduced to a naturopath at that time and I worked with her for – I've worked with her now for almost 10 years, I suppose. And um, it, she's been able to mentor me over, over that time and she was able to teach me in a very short amount of time some very basic health principles that completely turned my life around. And long story short, within six Six months of actually working with her, I had turned around that condition naturally. So it's a, it, it was a pretty, yeah, it was a pretty empowering thing. I thought, okay, if if uh, my heart can get better. I'm sure that everything else can get better with nutrition as well. So, you know, I stopped getting the chest infections. Um, that took a couple of years to get on top of, and now I haven't had a cold for probably, I think the last time I had a cold was I was in California surfing after the storms. So, again, surfing got in the way <laughs> and, um, you know, picked up something there. But I, I honestly, I think I've had maybe two colds in the last five or six years. Like, it's been it's been a very sort of cool experience. And as, as a journalist, I naturally had a lot of questions to ask and a a lot of research to do. I wanted to know what were the best practitioners in the world doing when it came mm. to when it came to health. And uh, funnily enough, it was all sort of pointing towards the gut, and that's where I sort of ended up specialising, um, not as a scientist or a practitioner, but as someone who can share the gut story. That's sort of been my job: is to turn what is sometimes a complicated, sometimes an overwhelming message of of the microbiome and your microbiota and all these things, and turn that into a nice, comprehensive message for the general public. And that's you know, it's been such a wonderful experience because, you know, um, I think so many people are feeling a little bit disempowered with that sort of health information. They think it's too hard, mm. it's too technical. They think they have to go and see a doctor to get their gut looked at whereas they can do a lot of that stuff themselves and they can really put in some some basic health principles into their life to really get a big bang for your buck in in the gut and that's really been my job and that's why I travel around doing the talks and and have written the book and stuff like that so yeah I'm very lucky it's been a it's been a fun ride yeah wow what a story um did you ever go back to your specialist the heart specialist no, nah, I'm not interested. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, it would have just been quite interesting to see, yeah. um, you know, his response to it all. And, yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's fantastic because you've obviously gone through this very personal journey and you are, you know, you're making it real to the general public and people can relate to that because, yeah, um, you know, I certainly know I can, I can relate to what you're saying about sitting down and reading a research paper. It's just can be, yeah, incredibly overwhelming. It's like reading a second language. Um, yeah, and it's not particularly interesting. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm the fastest, quickest person to say that. I'll, yeah. I'll 
find these research articles because I'm regularly, you know, releasing them on my blog. Yeah, yeah. And I read them and I'm just like, this is so boring. But what's (laughs) really interesting, the really interesting part of it are the results they're getting. And, you know, if, Mm. if if, if I can make it my job to turn that paper into an interesting story like, hey, guys, look what these guys are doing when they give probiotics to this group of mice and they don't give them to this group of mice. Look at what's going on. How does this translate to the human experience? You know, that's really, I think, where the power lies in in getting widespread change. The research has got to be there mm-hmm. um, and that will slowly filter into practitioners' offices and, and universities and stuff. But for now, we can actually make some uh, make oh, I don't want to say assumptions, but we can make some make some assumptions based on that research, you know. And it's been I think it's so fascinating how much research is being pointed at the gut now, and also the type of results they're getting. It's really quite incredible. Mm, nice, I like that because you're making it relatable, um, mm. you know, for the average person. Um, for our listeners, Cal, um, many may not have actually heard of the term before. Um, so, are you actually able to explain what exactly is the gut microbiome? So, the microbiome is the different the population of different bacteria, viruses, parasites, and protozoans which live on and inside of you. So, a lot of people, a lot of us, we're guilty of just saying your gut bacteria. Um, so, it's really important to point out that it's not just bacteria; it's also those viruses, those mm-hmm. parasites, and those protozoans which live on uh, your skin and and inside. Of you and the the um, the majority of which live inside the gastrointestinal tract, um, and that's where they play a very important role in modulating your immune system, uh, in modulating how you digest food, and one of their most important jobs is modulating the health or the permeability of your uh, intestinal lining. So that's just your gut lining, which is kind of like a fly screen. It wants to like filter out certain things, but it wants to let in all these little micronutrients. So things like vitamin C, minerals, essential fatty acids, proteins, things like that. But it wants to keep out the big undigested bit of egg, let's say, or gluten. Um, now, when things go awry, so when we see an imbalance in that population of gut microbes, we start to see a situation where that fly screen can become inflamed and it can actually have holes and tears in it. And that's when we start to see inflammatory, often disease-promoting messages actually being sent around the body. Um, So that's kind of the crux of the whole gut story is that gut lining situation, you know, what's happening there and how does it affect the rest of the body. Um, So it's very, very interesting to see how the – manipulation of the populations within your gastrointestinal tract. So that's like, you know, changing up how many probiotic uh, microbes are in there. So good microbes compared to the, let's say, the bad microbes with inverted commas there, Um, changing that up and how that actually influences the end result. For instance, does it uh, reduce the incidence of asthma and does it switch up uh, some obesity models that we look at? It's it's incredibly Mm. interesting. And I think when we break it down, you know, I'm always looking for the the most simple idea we can glean from it, and that is that the gut lining seems to be one of the most important factors in the uh, expression of health or disease, and um, it can really make or break uh, people. And, you know, I think as we move forward, we're going to see research and science actually go 
okay, let's really focus in on the gut lining. Let's look at how the bacteria actually um, can reduce that permeability so it can optimize the functioning of the gut lining. Um, and let's really focus in on that because that's where we're going to get our biggest bang for our buck. Mm, yeah, it's 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 fascinating, isn't it? I think uh, I actually read in your book um, that you're explaining that it's uh, that lining is actually only about one one cell thick between you know the outside yeah. and the inside world. So, um, which is really important, and you know, I, I also say that that's its greatest strength, but it's mm. also its greatest weakness because you know it's so sensitive. Yeah. Um, but it's got to be one cell thick so that we can actually allow all those nutrients from your food to move into the bloodstream and go and nourish the cells, because that's the whole idea with eating food is that you actually take food and you turn it into usable nutrition to go and build tissue and um, muscle and organs and systems. Uh, so it's yeah, it's really really interesting and you know unfortunately we've we've sort of um, tampered with things too much and we've actually created this situation ourselves for the most part mm. where we've you know shifted our microbial populations a lot with antibiotics with um, you know I, I assume this is where we're going to go you know some like coffee or pesticides and all these different things and sugar is a big one will actually disrupt the microbiome and then subsequently will disrupt the functioning of that fly screen that gut lining so um you know we, we've sort of we've caused this whole thing with gut health you know the the reason yeah. things are so imbalanced is because we've been so clinical about actually you know attacking microbes and stuff without the appreciation for the good guys as well but mm. that's changing mm. and you know there's not much we can do about the past but there's certainly a lot we can do about the future and that's where it really gets exciting mm. yeah um as I mentioned earlier, Carl, shift workers are certainly, you know, prone to experiencing these, you know, various gastrointestinal complaints such as irritable bowel, constipation, bloating, you know, dysbiosis, you know, but there's a number of reasons for it, uh, one of which um, is that we are continually tired all the time. So our eating habits, dare I say it, are not always the best. I certainly know. I can certainly vouch for that myself. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, our you know, due to our rotating rosters, we have to endure that continual circadian rhythm misalignment where our sleep-wake cycle is all over the shot um, and that causes us to eat at different times of the day and night, which can also have you know negative consequences on our gut. And not to mention the actual lack of sleep itself is a form of physiological stress, which can lead to that increase gut permeability which you were just talking about um but it's also known as or most commonly known as is that leaky gut mm. um, so we've certainly got an uphill battle on our hands you know as shift workers to try and maintain that healthy gut you've touched on it before but are you able to share you know with our listeners exactly you know what is a leaky gut and some of the mechanisms behind its development yeah so one popular mechanism that I think has been um, talked about for, for quite a long time in the alternative health space is the the overgrowth of pathogenic microbes in the in the gastrointestinal tract so that's like um, and I say an overgrowth because let's take something like candida which mm -hmm. is a very prevalent um, yep. Most people say infection, but normally candida is actually a beneficial bowel yeast. It actually chews up excess sugar and it can even remove heavy metals from the system. Now, when we don't have enough probiotics in place to actually keep that uh, candida in check, so the probiotics make sure that the environment is not conducive to an overgrowth of candida. So when we don't have enough probiotics, for instance, when we take an antibiotic, 
and we wipe out all sorts of bacteria, all the microbes in our gut, the first thing to grow back is often the candida. And this is interesting because there was a study done, and, it, and it's in my book, and I could flick through it and look at the specifics, but there was a study done that showed that after you take antibiotics, there's a uh, transient surplus of carbohydrate availability to the gut. So this is um, the gut saying, okay, we've just lost all our probiotics. What are we going to do? Let's send a bunch of sugar to the gut to actually feed the probiotics to hopefully get them back up to their normal numbers. Now, this would be advantageous in um, a, a sort of hunter-gatherer situation mm-hmm. where where you know someone was poisoned or something like that and the gastrointestinal system is completely wiped out by dumping a bunch of sugar to the gut actually helps the good guys grow. Now if we don't have enough good guys and if we have you know if we've taken that antibiotic often the first thing to grow back and feed off all the sugar which is exacerbated by the diet by the way is the candida. So we start to see that sort of overgrowing and what that does that can actually leach and move up from the bowel all the way through the small intestine into the gut. And it can actually leach onto the gut wall and it will um, put these roots into the gut wall. So that's that gut lining we talked about, the fly screen. Mm. And it will actually open up holes and release mycotoxins into the system as well, which are poisons, basically. Um, Dave Asprey talks about mycotoxins a lot as well. So that's the basics of it, um, is when you have an imbalanced microbiome, we start to see this leaky gut develop. Um, And that can go all the way back to birth, you know, because babies are actually born with a leaky gut, you know, and that's to let in all the nutrition from mum's colostrum into the bloodstream straight away. And then the key is that that gut actually closes up after that. The colostrum signals the gut to then close up. Um, and, you know, we're, we're tampering with that process in so many ways. You know, we're seeing a lot of C-sections now, which does result in an imbalanced microbiome, um, especially if seeding isn't done. Uh, and then we start to see a situation where baby has no probiotics to actually feed off mum's breast milk. So what's actually growing in there? Often it's the candida and all that sort of mm. stuff. So we start to see this drastic um, imbalance in that population, which leads to the poor functioning of the gut lining. And, you know, um, there are other things which can exacerbate it as well. You know, um, high-intensity exercise will, will increase the leaky gut. That's not to say it's bad for you. I think it's very good for you, but it will exacerbate leaky gut you know pesticides yeah. and all these different things um you know coffee can do it if you have too much but there's also research showing coffee that um actually promotes good bacteria so there's all these different things that we could get really specific about mm. and contradict this and that and all this sort of stuff but basically the basic premise the takeaway premise is that it is the balance of your gut microbes which will determine your overall gut health and that includes the leaky gut the intestinal permeability in there so the the key should be to actually uh, rebalance your gut microbes and then have a look at some some gut healing and that's where things like bovine colostrum can be really really helpful as a supplement um, and things like aloe vera are really good at reducing the inflammation as a result nice. of those imbalances and, yeah. and looking at starting to heal the gut lining that way um so those are my sort of big go-tos and that's where you know the the supplements come in especially for shift workers who are like you said um eating on the run they're eating suboptimal food you know i completely get it when you don't sleep um 
naturally, your blood sugar is all over the place. And when your blood sugar is all over the place, your body is literally screaming at you to go and have something sugary because you're about to crash, right? Yeah. <laughs> so completely get it. Um, so that's where it's really important for not only the diet to be as clean as possible, so really just as natural as possible, if you will, um, a whole foods diet, but also looking at um, supplementation, which I think is just a given these days across the board. Um, you know, having a look at probiotics and then having a look at colostrum or aloe vera or something to heal the gut, at least in the initial stages. And then, you know, probiotics, I think, are an, a good idea for ongoing supplementation as well, just to modulate that environment consistently and then take advantage of what science is looking at and identifying in regards to those specific strains of bacteria, which give us lots of health benefits. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. I hadn't um, heard about the exercise or high. In- you're referring to high intensity exercise can yeah. potentially. Yeah, wow. I hadn't. Was there anything specific in the research? Um, no, that's just something I've been taught from oh, wow. the practitioners I've worked with. And then, you know, you have to think about it when you exercise really heavily to the point of actually wanting to vomit. <laughs> so you have lactic acid moving into Oof, the into yeah. the gut. That's yeah. that leaves oh, yeah. the gut. That's mm. what's happening. Now, I actually think there's a lot of studies that show that um, people who exercise generally have healthier microbiomes than those who don't. And I think that, um, and this is not backed up by anything, this is just my my sort of idea, is that micro doses of that lactic acid moving from the working muscles into the gut via our healthy intestinal permeability at this point um, is actually nourishing for the lactic acid-loving bacteria inside the gut. Um, I think that's probably where where that research is, is pointing towards it. It's quite interesting, and they've sort of taken away the dietary factors in that research as well. So, like, they've taken mice, they've fed them the same diets and they've had one group of mice exercise on the little treadmills and one group of mice not exercise and they've shown that the levels of um, butyrate which is that essential fatty acid that the bacteria make or the microbes make as a result of digesting your food which is very healthy very anti-inflammatory that's increased in the exercising mice so it's really interesting but again yeah that high intensity uh, exercise thing that's when just the gut just opens up too much and you mm. just see you know ejection of all the uh, mm. lactic acid <laughs> wow 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 i'll stick to yoga and you can stick to your surfing yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh very cool uh, just um Another thing too that I noticed, and you just you did touch on it earlier, Cal, is that there's certainly more and more research beginning to surface uh, on specifically the diversity of our gut microbiota and how it can actually be contributing to obesity and you know the visceral adiposity or belly fat. Can you explain this connection? Because this this is I find incredibly compelling research. Yeah, so I think one of the the stand the uh, stand standout study in in that area was done uh, as part of the the twins the microbiome project between oh, yes. the UK and the US. Yeah. So they looked at um, I think Tim Spector is involved with that. They looked at different groups of mice and they found twins in in human twins, and one twin had to be obese and one twin had to be lean. That was the criteria. Mm. And what they did, they harvested microbes from those twins. So they took their poo and they harvested all the microbes from their poo, Um, which, by the way, one gram of your poo actually contains more microbes than stars in the universe, which is pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah, crazy (laughs) statistic. I love that one. So they took those microbes and they gave them to these different groups of mice. Now, they fed them the same amount of food. They had the same amount of exercise. But 
the mice who receive the obese bacteria or the microbes from the uh, obese twin got obese. The microbes who receive the uh, microbes the microbes. The mouse who received the mice who received. I always get stuff with this one. The mice who received the microbes from the lean twin stayed lean. So they were getting the same amount of food, same amount of exercise. So that indicates that the microbes oh, wow. have some sort of impact on how we harvest calories from our food. Now they took this a step further, and this is like crazy interesting. They then mix the mice in the same cage. So they mix the groups, and what they found was the obese mice started to become lean because mice have this weird behavior of eating each other's poo and they transfer microbes that way. So what that also suggests is that there is a suppressive effect of those good microbes, presumably from the lean individual, those good microbes suppress those bad microbes which harvest more calories from your food. So it's very, very interesting. They've also done a study on uh, having a look at bears and bears going into hibernation who need to put on lots of weight, have a microbiome that is very conducive to that. So they have a lot of Firmicutes bacteria, whereas when bears come out of hibernation and they're trying to drop all that weight and go off and do bear things, their microbiome shifts to one that is not conducive um, to putting on weight. It's conducive to staying lean. So it has a lot more Bacteroidetes bacteria. So there's a whole bunch studies looking at that and i think you know from the research and this is going on there's quite a few books on this as well uh, dr pearl mutter is really good and also mike mutzel wrote about this um when we have an imbalance of gut microbes when we have too many bad bugs and not enough good bugs we see a low-grade inflammation as a result okay and that inflammation gets sent around the rest of the body and when we have inflammation around the rest of the body the body actually is in sugar burning mode so we have increased cortisol um, which naturally lends itself to and higher insulin as a result and that all naturally lends itself to actually putting on storing more weight and we see that when you know, we have a uh, a mum and, and a dad who are both obese, and lo and behold, they have a child who's also obese. Is it the obese genes being passed on, or is it the obese microbes being passed on? It's a very interesting area of research, and I think, you know, as conclusive as it seems now, we'll still see further steps in that where we actually really nail down. I honestly think there'll be a pill for weight loss. I think there'll be a probiotic pill for weight loss soon. And, uh, you know, which, you know, there's a whole lot of arguments around that, but I think it's coming. I think that's the end result of that sort of research. Mm, wow. If, yeah, if that's um, a possibility, I, um, I, I guess, though, it, it's, it can become very, you know, multifactorial as well with you referring to mum and dad sort of, you know, if they're obese and the child's obese or I guess, you know, they're probably all eating similar stuff. So, yeah, 100%. Yeah. There's always going to be a multitude of factors coming into play. Yeah. You can't just say that microbes rule everything and you can <laughs> eat whatever you want and then you'll still, you know, regardless of your microbes. Yeah, gosh, you it, there's that. so yeah. many factors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, you talked about the um, the antibiotics before. And again, shift workers, we're continually sick all the time because our immune system is, you know, quite depleted. High cortisol, you're talking about before, is certainly, um, uh, you know, one of the factors as well. Uh, do you know how, you know, long the lasting effects are um, on our gut microbiome? If somebody was to take, you know, uh, a dose of antibiotics and sometimes, you know, it can be a couple of doses a year. Do you know mm. how long it takes, you know, for that to our gut to restore back to its, you know, equilibrium? 
There was one study done uh, recently, that which I released on my website, that suggested it was 12 months. Mm, um, okay. Dr. McBride uh, talks oh, about yes. it being three yeah. to five years. Um, so there's, yeah, there's different thoughts on that. Uh, the studies tend to suggest from what I've read, I haven't read everything, um, <laughs> it's like between 12 and 24 months, yeah, which is not good. You know, that's uh, significant um, immune challenges for 12 months. And, you know, you're almost borrowing from Tom to pay Sam, you know, when you do that. And this sort of situation has led to um, the World Health Organization and various bodies around the world. Australia has set up a, a body on this now for antimicrobial resistance. And we're actually saying that no doctors mm. are over-prescribing antibiotics. You should never prescribe antibiotics for ear infections or the common cold. And yet this is still happening. And this situation has led to so many issues in that, you know, people are getting sick now and they're taking antibiotics and the, the microbes they're trying to kill are actually smarter than the drugs they're trying to kill them with. So it's a, it's an interesting situation and we're going to see some very, um, I would say, scary results as uh, a consequence of our misuse of antibiotics in the future. You know, this is things. This is where things like or movies like I Am Legend and Contagion and all these weird films will actually maybe become a reality mm -hmm. where um, that we're not able to actually kill microbes anymore. And pharmaceutical companies are actually not even looking at making new antibiotics anymore. This is how serious it is because they're saying that, you know, the antibiotics aren't going to work for longer than five years. So it's not going to be financially viable for us to do it. So we're just going to stop because, you know, this whole antibiotic resistance thing. Um, so I think when you're dealing with the immune system, um, which in shift workers is going to be challenged a lot of the time, um, it's important to realize that 80 to 90% of your immune system relies on the gut microbiota. So that's all those yep. different microbes in the gut. So really, in terms of prevention and also treatment of certain uh, conditions, you know, immune system conditions, you really want to look there first. Now, mm. I'm all for emergency medicine, by the way. If you get smashed up in a motorway, if you get a snake bite and you've got grade three blood poisoning, you probably need emergency medicine, you need antibiotics, you need all that sort of stuff. But if you have the common cold, if you have uh, an ear infection, if you have some skin issues, that is not the time to take antibiotics in most cases. You actually want to look at supporting your immune system by perhaps taking some probiotics and for, you know the, the strains we want to go towards are the lactobacillus and the bifidobacterium in most cases because that's where most of our microbiomes rest comfortably with those species um, and then we want to look at you know you can always look at herbs and essential oils and you know bovine colostrum is an amazing one um, all these different natural uh, nutraceuticals if you will which actually support the body without damaging that very important immune system which lies in the gut microbes because when you take that antibiotic you're not only wiping out your infection you're also wiping out all those good bugs as well mm. and as we said before you know it's often the bad bugs which grow back first so if you want long-term changes you might have to put up with you know a year or two of actually uh, fighting through your cold naturally but once you put in that time and your immune system comes back online from that long-term shift of your microbiome through the healthier diet, through the probiotics, you can expect to have a much better result with your health.
And, you know, I think that just makes sense. Otherwise, you're going to be um, rebounding from health to illness for the rest of your life, <laughs> which is never fun. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And I love how you referred in your book, uh, The Gut Healing Protocol, Cal, um, and it was obviously referring to the antibody antibiotic resistance that's, you know, very much coming to surface, is that you said maybe the coming situation of antibiotic resistance will force us to look at better ways of preventing illness through education as opposed to finding new methods of treatment. And oh, I good. I didn't even – Love it. That sounds good. It sounds good. I'm happy I wrote that. <laughs> you don't remember. <laughs> no, I know. I do, I've just had a big update of the book and um, it's funny reading through it. It's like, did I write that? What is that? Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. There's yeah. so much you got to put in something like that. But, no, that's good. Yeah. I think that is true. You know, we're going to – we're, we're just we're being silly. Yeah, it's got to be prevention. And unfortunately, we've we've allowed vested interests in to have an influence in the the equation, which is a shame. Um, but I think that'll change over time as well, because you know, with the the blessing that is the internet, people are much more savvy these days, and the companies can't get away with stuff that they used to be able to get away with because it just goes viral. Mm-hmm. You know, so which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. So yeah, I I think we can expect some big changes, which is really cool. Mm, sure is. Well, before we wrap up uh, the podcast, uh, Kale, I'll, I just want to kind of sw- slightly change the topic a little bit. And it, um, it's something that I interview- ask all my uh, guests on the podcast because I'm a bit of a mad traveller. And oh, I always lovely. like to ask my guests what their favourite travel destination is and why. And I know that you've come back from Bali and I know surfing is your pillar of existence. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, yeah, so where, yeah, where would you, you know, your favourite hotspot um, in the world be? Because I know you've done a lot of travelling. Yeah, I've sort of, I've been all over the world. The only place I haven't done is Europe. Um, okay. Oh, but that's a pretty big chunk of the world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's something. It's on the bucket list, but I, I've sort of settled a little bit for now. Yeah. Um, my favourite place beyond anything is is Cape Town, South Africa, and Jeffreys Bay. Those oh, places are just absolutely. Yep. The people, the surf, the. It's just beautiful, and the scenery. It's the most beautiful part of the world, and if you get a chance to go there, absolutely go there. It's incredible. My uh, sister sister in law is from Camps Bay in, in Cape Town. So we, you know, go there quite a bit and, and hang out with all her friends and go surfing and stuff. And there's so much healthy food there these days. Mm. It's just it's just a dream. I love that place. But I grew up reading Wilbur Smith books. So we got obsessed with the African history and African fantasy adventures and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's why it really landed well with my brother and I. So that's why we loved Africa. But all of Africa, not just Cape Town. Like we've done Zimbabwe, Zambia, uh, Botswana. They're all beautiful as well. And hopefully this year I'm going to – or next year, sorry. I'm not sure when this is airing. But let's say in 2017 I'm going to head back to Africa for the gut movie that I'm doing. So to actually look at some microbiome research going on over there, which is really exciting. Oh, wow. Super cool. Gut movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. Wow. So you've got to be sort of travelling around the world interviewing experts or is it you're mainly focusing in, in Africa? No, nah, we'll uh, have it, – it's still in the pipeline, but we'll have a lot of supportive evidence from Australian researchers because I'm really passionate about sharing what we're doing with the world stage. Right, yeah. Um, and then also we'll follow a bit of a – It'll be a journey. It'll be a very different documentary. It's going to be almost like a vlogumentary where we actually go on a journey throughout Africa and have a look at what those guys are doing and 
they're, they're having a look at, you know, the Maasai microbiomes or the Hunza microbiomes, obviously, um, further over in, <laughs> in Asia and um, looking at how not having antibiotics or not being exposed to antibiotics has resulted in um, a very diverse microbiome. And they're looking at the potential to actually uh, harvest the microbiomes of these different cultures and bring them over here to use, which is insane. It's so interesting. Wow. So, yeah, I'm going to delve into that and uh, hopefully we'll release by the end of 2017. So that's my whole project for the next 12 months, which is super exciting because I'm a journalist and producer. That's my thing. <laughs> share that story. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, all meshed in with gut health. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Really. Wow. That, yeah, that's, that sounds amazing. And yeah, I, certainly I think I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of us, you know, we, we really would look forward to, to watching that when it's completed. So yeah, look, Thanks. this has been you know, fantastic talking with you, Kale. Um, and I know that, you know, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, that you're sort of feeling a little bit under the weather. So I do appreciate <laughs> that you're hanging in there with me. Um, but so where can people find you to learn more about your books, your workshops, um, and your gut healing protocol? Because, yeah, you have an actual protocol through your books that, you know, people might be interested in, in yeah. Um, yeah, partaking. That was uh, – that that – protocol the gut healing protocol was sort of written um taking a lot of work from or borrowing a lot of work from various practitioners around the world so guys like dr pearl mutter and dr Raphael kelman um dr natasha campbell mcbride and of course my teacher who i was lucky enough to work with and still work with here in in south australia um and that was just putting it all in one sort of resource which is just um you know we call it the gut healing protocol but essentially it's a it's a really basic um with supportive with some technical scientific evidence uh, outlook on the gut and why it's so important. And that's sort of been my my big thing in the whole health industry is actually getting this book out. So we're about to do another reprint, which is super exciting. It's just been received really well, which is, which is really exciting. And I suppose the best place for people to find that and um, check out what I'm doing is just on kalebrock.com, which is just K-A-L-E-B-R-O-C-K.com. And by the way, that's the name that I had on my birth certificate. I didn't change my name to suit the health industry. That's what I was born with, which is really uncanny, I know. Um, and you can check me out on uh, social media at Kale's Broccoli. <laughs> Kale's Broccoli. <laughs> oh, you must, be get, you must get so sick of saying that. <laughs> oh, man, I get asked every time. Uh... <laughs> That's hilarious. You can thank your yeah. mum for that. <laughs> we I will. I <laughs> One will. of the two. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks for having me, though. It's It's been a pleasure. And keep doing what you're doing. I think it's a very important thing. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Well, yeah, it's it's um it's been fabulous, you know, hearing all your insights um on all things to do with gut and microbiome. Uh certainly been um really informative. So um yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for another edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback and there are many ways that you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit. And you can also leave us a five-star rating in the iTunes store, which will help me to spread the Healthy Shift Worker message to shift workers and organizations all around the world. If you'd like access to more free resources, including my newsletter, just visit my website, healthyshiftworker.com, and enter your name and email address. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be, despite working 24-7. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.